The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. everybody to the lakers legacy podcast where who knew one king may not be enough for the lakers because the king may need another king and his name is bogdan so sorry prince kuzma welcome to the lakers legacy podcast i'm joined by my co-host tommy alexander i'm your host jonathan hernandez tommy happy new year happy 2020 happy double harriet do you know double. why Double Harriet? No. Because Harriet Tubman is the face of the $20 bill. Ah. But also, happy Andrew Jackson, because I think he was previously on the $20 bill. So it's Harriet Tubman now, by the way, just FYI. You guys learn a lot of things on this podcast. So happy Double Harriet to you, Tommy. Same to you. Guy. Cool, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> how, was, how, was your, uh, how was your Christmas break? Uh, I didn't really get that much of a break. But it was it was all good. Christmas is fun. New Year's is fun. It was weird. I I feel like it didn't hit me until I'm not kidding you until New Year's Eve that I was like, oh, we're done with a decade now. Yeah, <laughs> you right? know, it's like weird. I don't know. Like I feel like last time this happened, I was super super cognizant of that. But it feels uh, it feels nice to be in 2020, and I'm optimistic about the future. I'm also driving behind a guy currently who has a license plate that says Laker fan driving a mercedes i see you out here on these streets <laughs> you better be listening to us right now symbolic prophetic <laughs> um yeah i mean you know having to reflect back on one year and make new year's resolutions for the next is already quite a tall task so having to look back on the last 10 years is even crazier but yeah it's been a crazy decade um all right tonight's episode we're going to be talking about cal kuzma Bogdan Bogdanovich rumors, uh, some Darren Collison, Rajan Rondo talk, and um, that should be it for this episode. Before we get into all that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more Lakers teammates who are trailing Alex Caruso on a break will jump in the air with him and maybe even outleap him in pure celebration as he yams the ball through. Tommy, I'm sure you saw those freeze-frame pictures of Alex Caruso, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, and Kyle Kuzma from all different angles. What did you think of that scene and that that moment? Did it encapsulate the season thus far? <laughs> uh, I guess in a way it did. Um, obviously, these guys 
really like each other. There's a lot of good chemistry on this roster. And I think it's not just at the top with like, obviously the superstars were friends before they paired up on this team, but it's, it seems to be trickling down, even down to guys that coming into the year didn't necessarily have a rep or at least the same rep as many of the veterans that we signed. Yep. I agree. And uh, Dwight Howard looked especially vertical <laughs> in that picture, which is fitting because he's going to be returning to the dunk contest this year during All-Star Weekend. So the return of Superman in more ways than one. So yes, please rate and review us on iTunes for more of those uh, collective team jumps in the air as Alex Caruso dunks. Um, kind of like how they do in college, right? You've seen those videos where one guy will jump in the air and, and dunk it during the layup line, and then the rest of the teammates will almost explode off the floor um, as a response to it. And typically those videos are done in slow-mo and it looks really cool. Also, I think we're at 405 iTunes ratings and reviews. So thank you guys again for helping us get to 400 by 2020 because 20 times 20 equals what, Tommy? A 400. Good job, 400. And now we are trying to get to 420, the littest of all numbers. So please help us get to that next mark. Um, lastly, if you'd like to help us out in any small financial way, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. We are brought to you by lineups.com. All right, Tommy, let's get into it. Um, over the weekend, over the last few days, we've heard the rumors with regards to Darren Collison um, looking to the Lakers or the Clippers to potentially make his return to the NBA. He'll be a free agent doing so. Likely won't happen till February. Um, and then today... And this rumor, this wasn't even a rumor, actually. It was just an idea that was thrown out by Zach Lowe on his podcast a couple months ago. And then today, it sort of became a rumor that, you know, maybe the Lakers and the Kings have interest um, in doing a Bogdan Bogdanovich Kyle Kuzma swap. Before we get into all that, though, I, I just want to talk about Kyle Kuzma really quick and just address his inconsistency this season. I know a lot of fans have been frustrated, and at times it may seem like at least I have been making ex excuses for Kyle Kuzma's poor and inconsistent play this season. And it seemed like he had turned a corner um, coming out of his like ankle rehabilitation and rest uh, because he scored 16 points against Denver, 25 points against the Clippers, 24 points against Portland, and then all of a sudden, zero points, and then 19 points against Phoenix, 10 points against New Orleans, and then only four points against Detroit the other night. So the inconsistency has still sort of been there in spite of the fact that it seems like Kyle Kuzma's looked a little bit more healthy. And I think that pretty nice tomahawk dunk he had against Phoenix was indicative of that. But regardless, it seems like the inconsistency is here to stay. People are obviously frustrated. And... Um, I get why they're frustrated, but i just like to point out once again, and a lot of people have been echoing this on Twitter, that Rajon Rondo and Frank Vogel haven't necessarily done Kakuzma any favors this year, on top of the fact that obviously he's had his rhythm interrupted by all of these knick-knack injuries that he's compiled. Um, but when it comes to how they've been utilizing Kakuzma, I don't think he's been put in the best positions to succeed. And yet, in spite of that, he is leading the team in three-point percentage from the baseline, which is what you'd want him to lead the team in. Um, his three-point percentage has slowly creeped back up to that 36% um, that he hit his rookie year, although right now it's at 346 because he missed three three-pointers the other night. But I think my overall point with Kyle Kuzma is, until they do something about the Rajon Rondo situation, 
And until Frank Vogel utilizes him a little better, this is sort of the type of Cal Kuzma you're going to see. And that's not even a bad thing because I look at all of the role players not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis and I ask, who exactly has been consistent? You know, I know we put Kyle Kuzma to a higher standard because he's supposed to be that like, quote unquote, third guy. But for a guy who has had his season constantly interrupted by all of these injuries and having to work his, his way back, this is sort of par for the course, at least for me, when I'm contextualizing his season. Because you might say maybe Contavious Caldwell Pope has been the most consistent recently. But you look at KCP's last three games and okay, he had 10 points the last game. And then five points against New Orleans, hitting one for seven. The game before that, only three points, hitting one of four. So, I mean, all across the board, if you're not named LeBron James or Anthony Davis, the Lakers have been inconsistent. And yet, the Lakers are 29-7. and seven. They are still first in the West. And actually, with Kyle Kuzma, the Lakers are 23-4 and four when he plays. And they're 6-3 and three when he doesn't play. So even in spite of the fact that Kakuzma has been kind of all over the place, it seems like he's been kind of floating in, in no man's land and in limbo a little bit, unsure of what his role truly is. I think a lot of that is due to, again, not having a good secondary primary creator um, to help him out and ease that burden on him. Um, and then two, Vogel kind of being inconsistent with how he initiates and activates Kakuzma from game to game. Because you'll notice that in the games where Kakuzma really pops off, there's a difference in the way that he is getting his points in that you see him dribbling the ball more and initiating off his own dribble, maybe even bringing the ball up. Sometimes he gets post-up moves and is able to do some, you know, jab step, pivot, reverse pivot moves like Kobe Bryant. In the games where you see him kind of disappear, it's because guys aren't finding him the ball and LeBron James is the only one who's able to do it, or he's just simply not hitting his shots, which will happen to an NBA player who's not an all-star or superstar. So really quickly, what have your thoughts been on Kyle Kuzman? Do you sort of concur with my assessment of his inconsistent play thus far? Yeah, I mean, he's been wildly inconsistent this year. I, I, Kuzma for me, and this is like going to sound more hyperbolic than I intended to sound, but for me, he's been the most disappointing player on the team this year. Um, just in the sense that we all saw what Kuz could do. We saw his potential from the last few years. And I fully expected him to slot right in here and be like, okay, here we are. You know, maybe we'll end up trading or, you know, signing or on waivers or whatever. A guy who's a veteran who is more, you know, historically thought to be uh a solid third option type of scorer, but worst case scenario, I think we have that guy already, you know, in the summer we thought that guy was DeMarcus cousins. Well, when DeMarcus went down, I still was like, you know what? It might just be Kyle Kuzma. When we saw flashes of him in it with team USA, um, we, when we saw like, it seemed like he had corrected issues with his stroke. I really saw no reason why it couldn't be him. He works hard. He has a very diverse offensive game, et cetera, et cetera. It seemed like he was taking defense more seriously this year. And and I and I hear you on the Rondo stuff, which I think we'll talk about also. That's like it's kind of a separate issue, but there's some overlap. But I, I hear you mostly on the Vogel stuff. This is a team of veterans, and Kyle Kuzma is famously not a veteran. I mean, yeah, he's been in the league for <laughs> three years or whatever, but... Uh, or two years, um, but he's not ready yet. I think that's very clear that he's not ready yet to just be, you know, come off the bench with no offense. Like, 
with no offensive scheme really other than you have a bunch of veterans who have sets they like to run and you kind of just fit yourself in right and I think this season he's aired too much on the side of fitting himself in and some of that you maybe pin on Vogel for saying like hey you have this 24 year old with a lot of upside but he's not a vet in the traditional sense and like you need to put in plays to activate him during games and activate him right away. Not like, Oh, Kuz has been on the court for the last four minutes and hasn't attempted a shot. You know, like Mm -hmm. he, if he is going to Kuzma was not supposed to be one of the, one of the role players. I mean, he was supposed to be a role player in a way, but like we, we're not going to win in the playoffs. If we don't have a third guy who's scoring more than like 12 points a game, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And, And that's currently where we stand. I think, it's been widely reported and like national on the, especially on the national televised games that we have that we have the biggest gap between our second and third highest scores, like by far. And that's not going to work. Like it, it would work if we had like a bunch of Kuzma's, but Kuzma is like by far and away our, our third most reliable. I think Kuzma has been inconsistent and it's not a hundred percent his fault, but it still has been overall a disappointment in my eyes. Sure. And I think, like I mentioned, a lot of things play into that. You hope that he uh, just kind of fights through that. And, and I think a large part of why maybe we haven't seen as active a change from Vogel and the staff is because we're 29 and 7, <laughs> you know, and even in spite of the fact that our you know third leading scorer is only averaging 12 points, we don't have a bunch of Kuzmas, but we still have a bunch of veterans who are stepping up at different times. And KCP has been more consistent um, this latter half of the season than he was, you know, the first few weeks. And because of that, we've been able to withstand Kuzma's off nights when it, he just doesn't have it. And maybe even in Vogel's mind, why he's been inconsistent with activating Kuzma is because, again, they, they're continuing to win games and they haven't been pretty recently. And hopefully Vogel understands that it's important to get this guy activated, even if you sort of have to spoon feed him because he's important. But lately, it just kind of feels like, and again, this might not even be Kyle Kuzma's fault, that the only way Kyle Kuzma is going to have a big game is if he hits his first two or three shots, you know? Otherwise, uh uh-oh, I don't know what's going to happen to him. And Vogel's done this weird thing recently as well where Kuzma's got it going on and then he'll yank him and pull him out of the game. It's been it's been kind of bizarre, and I think the biggest indicator of that was during the uh, New Orleans game, where I thought Kuzma was playing pretty well. He had ten points, hit two threes, but he only played eighteen minutes. So we'll we'll see how they figure that out. With that said, um, all of this frustration and and like you mentioned, Kuzma being disappointing um, with regards to or in respect to the high expectations we had of him coming into this season. This is why it's led to all of the. Brogdon, what's his name? Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogdan Bogdanovich rumors. And so before we take it to break, we're going to attack this like this is feasible. And it, it might literally be feasible. But welcome to NBA trade season where smoke screens and posturing happen on a daily basis. And we've seen that with conflicting reports uh, regarding the Lakers' interest. First, it coming out that they're not interested in actively shopping Kyle Kuzma, but they'll hear offers for him, which essentially translates to we're doing our due diligence because everybody not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis is available. And then we hear that, oh, maybe the Sacramento Kings are 
interested in trading for Kyle Kuzma and they know that they'll have to give up Bogdan Bogdanovich at the very least, which indicated that maybe they'd give up a second round pick or a first round pick in the future or something. And then shortly after that, other reports came in that said, nope, the Kings are actually very satisfied with Bogdan's contractual status. He'll be a restricted free agent come this summer. They're fine with it. And that may be posturing as well, just to let not only the Lakers know, but other teams know that this is how highly we value Bogdanovich. And if you want him, you're going to have to give us more than Cal Kuzma. Or if you're the Lakers, you're going to have to give us Cal Kuzma, you know, a future first, maybe Taylor Horton Tucker. Well, and jokes again, on you because we don't have a future first. Yeah, jokes on you guys. We don't have any of that. Although I'd be very sad to see uh, Taylor Horton Tucker go um, thick Van Axel, as I've heard him called on Twitter. Um, but again, a lot of this posturing may not even be towards the Lakers, but just towards the rest of the league, letting them know, hey, Bogdan's available and we're setting the price at Cal Kuzma plus this and this. So step on up. And if he becomes available, other teams may actually pony up way more than the Lakers can give the Sacramento Kings. So with all that being said, all those caveats out of the way, we will treat it as if both teams at the baseline are willing to work around a trade package centered around Bogdanovich and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Bogdanovich is making around $8 million this year, so it'll take Kyle Kuzma, who's only making $1.9, plus any one of Quinn Cook, DeMarcus Cousins, or Avery Bradley. It's likely that... And it makes sense that a lot of people are thinking that it's probably going to be Quinn Cook because Avery Bradley actually has a role on this team. Quinn Cook hasn't been playing at all. And as fun as it would be to ship DeMarcus Cousins back out to Sacramento just as a troll move, I doubt that's going to happen. He's been an integral part to this team off the court and who knows, maybe may actually play some minutes in the playoffs in garbage time. But regardless, I guess my my first question to you, Tommy, is like, what are your thoughts about... This trade in general, the Kyle Kuzma for Bogdanovich trade, do you think it's a, like a must-do trade? Or is it just, if it happens, I'd be pretty happy with it. But otherwise, I can see both sides. And then also taking into account that we have this Darren Collison factor, which we'll get into more detail in later. But maybe the Darren Collison factor changes your viewpoint on how all-in we should go with regards to this Kuzma-Bogdanovich deal. Yeah, so I mean, at a high level, I think the first point I'd make is I don't think it's likely this trade happens at all. I mean, obviously, the circumstances are constantly in flux, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. I'm sure what happened was, you know, there's this report that comes out that the Lakers are listening to offers. And I'm sure the Kings called because Luke is a coach. Vladi, I'm sure, is familiar with Kuz. And Kuz has played very well his first two years. Like I said, Luke, is several of his assistants are very familiar with Kuz. Um, so it's like, if he's available, you're going to call and see, like, what is it going to cost? Are you talking just like a pig? Are you talking a player? Like what kind of player? So I'm sure they just called and the Lakers would said like, Oh, it would take Bogdan. And then probably didn't go anywhere from that, you know? And it's like, okay. So I, I just don't personally think that it's super realistic, um, for several reasons, but Anyway, if assuming, like you said, if it, that it does happen, I do think that uh, it would be a good move for us, assuming no other moves. But I don't think it's a need-to-do move. I, I think the initial reaction is, oh, Bogdan does all these things that we really, really desperately need. I mean, he fills, <laughs> like, a very obvious hole on this roster. Mm-hmm. Like, he can playmake, he can rain threes, he can create his own offense, he's a reliable, like... 
15, 16 point a game type of guy. He's shown that he can do it as a starter off the bench. I mean, the Kings played their best basketball this season, in my opinion. And probably this isn't a hot take because they're pretty crappy. But I mean, they played some of their best basketball this season when De'Aaron Fox went down and Bogdan was like basically playing point guard for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he's one of these guys where like, again, I don't necessarily put Kuzma in this category, although he can, he is streaky and can get hot from time to time. Bogdan is one of these guys who can legitimately come in and just hit eight threes in a game. And there's like nothing you can do to stop it. He's just going to rain eight threes right on your head and everybody, all the defenders heads and good luck, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so like, I've always had, I've had this longstanding theory that, you know, every championship caliber team, um, you know, needs to have one of these types of guys who can, you know, most games, whatever, he'll average 14-ish points a game. But some nights, randomly, he'll just come in and score 30. Like, I feel like that's mm-hmm. what makes, makes the Clippers super dangerous, right? Is Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams for them are two very obvious guys who fit that mold of, you know, they'll average their whatever they average per game, but they can randomly come in and each score over 30 in the same game. And if they do that, what are you going to do to match it? You know? And and so Bogdan kind of fills that void. So the initial reaction is to be like, Oh, okay. I'm intrigued. Like what uh, go on, you know, but if we, if the Darren Carlson rumors are true and we, you know, no end up getting a sense that we have a good shot at him. And to be clear, it's not like collusion, right? Like he's not with the team. He's a free agent. Um, we could get the sense before we have to do any of this that we have a good chance at him or not. Right. So if we have Collison, he kind of fills some of that playmaking that Bogdan was going to bring. And mm-hmm. if we don't get rid of Kuzma to get him, you start thinking about it more from the perspective of what is the value of Kuzma plus Collison versus mm-hmm. Bogdan plus Collison. You know what I mean? And when you yeah. start thinking about it in those terms, and I can't take credit for that. Some, what, you said that or somebody else said that, and I just happened to read it in passing. But I thought it was a really good point. And um, whoever, when you start thinking about it as a collective unit like that, at least I start to think, oh, okay, well, some of Collison and Bogdan's skills are redundant. Yeah. Collison is a, a like, now, I don't know if he's a lead anymore, but he is a very good point guard defender. So, you know, he has that advantage. Um and then he also puts a guy out there on the floor who, you know, we've been sitting around talking about activating Kuz and how important that is. Collison is a guy on the floor who can do that for Kuz. So mm-hmm. the combination of him and Kuzma coming off the bench together is very intriguing. Whereas like yeah. Collison and Bogdan together, maybe less intriguing. And and it it just makes Kuz that much more valuable to us if we pair him with a guy who can take the load of uh you know the playmaking duties and let kuz just kind of settle in as his like pick and roll pick and pop partner um and be put in a position where he can reliably generate some offense for us right Uh, and i agree with you and before i get to my thoughts i want to take it to break first and then when we return we'll just finish up this segment on the kuzma and bogdanovich pros and cons of a deal like this so we'll pitch to our sponsors and when we return more kuz and bogey how to show up with coca-cola energy you're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends don't do it 
Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love. All right, so we're back. And for the most part, I agree with everything you said, Tommy. And I think, and I'll get this out of the way, if we were to trade coups, I think you'd agree it would have to be for somebody like Bogdanovich, right? Correct. Yeah, so I think in a vacuum, their their actual values is at the worst the same and probably realistically, Bogdanovich at this stage in their both of their careers is better, right? I don't think it's a home run like some people are making it out to be because there are other things to take into account of, which I'll get to shortly. But for the most part, in a vacuum, yeah, Kuzma for Bogdanovich any time of the day. Um, when thinking about having to trade Kuz, like there was only a short list of players that I was willing to make that deal for. Bogdanovich was one of them. Joe Harris, Luke Kennard. I know you like Luke Kennard a lot, Tommy. Um, but outside Luke of Kennard. that, yeah, but outside of that, keeping into account the contractual statuses of all these players, you could only get that sort of player, like a young player like Kuzma, who's not exactly an all-star, but has shown enough promise and is also making under $10 million. So, caveating all that to say that yes I definitely do a trade like this but when you start looking into the details I think the one thing to keep in mind and maybe I'm overplaying this a little bit you can let me know but given how well this team has started and the emphasis on culture and chemistry and you may joke about that with how badly Kuzma's fashion and hair choices have been this year but it seems like you know this is a tight-knit group and LeBron James and Anthony Davis really believe in Kuzma and I'm sure they're going to believe in Bogdan Bogdanovich when he's hitting eight threes a game and like hitting all these clutch shots so maybe I am overplaying it but I I still think that these trades like this are not done in a vacuum and Part of the reason why the Lakers are so good this year is just how menacing they are with their length and size. And I know we don't typically put Kuzma in that category, but Kuzma is a 6'9", 6'10", dude, okay? And when you put him out there in those AD at center lineups, it gets kind of ridiculous how versatile we become. And as dead-eye a shooter as Bogdanovich is, you're still losing three to four inches. And even in spite of the fact that, I guess, relative to his position, Bogdanovich may be a better defender than Kuzma, he still does not have the same length Kuzma does. And as we've seen recently with Kuzma playing really well against wings like Paul George, even sometimes Kawhi Leonard, especially against Carmelo Anthony, although that's probably not saying a lot. But we've seen Kuzma have success against guys who, in the playoffs, become imminently more important because they're wings who can score, and Kuzma, just by virtue of being long, does a solid job on them that I don't think a guy like Bogdanovich would be able to do, thus putting more pressure on LeBron James to have to uphold that mantle. So even just taking that into account that, look, Kuzma's not as good a defender as Bogdanovich relative to their positions, but he's also just longer, taller, and that is imposing to another team when they have to face off against, as you saw last night, Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, LeBron James. Oh yeah, Kyle Kuzma's tall too, shit. You know, when you put all those together... That's kind of been our identity this season, regardless of how inconsistent offensively this team has been. It's just, and I know Kuzma's not the most physical of players, but as he's gotten more healthy, we've kind of seen that come into play as well, where he's been able to just body up, take more charges. And and so I just like that we're just a tall-ass team with length. 
But yeah, so I think just taking into account that if you're trading Kuzma and, and bringing in Bogdanovich, who's to say that Bogdanovich doesn't, I know he has playmaking ability and all that and is way more versatile than this type of player I'm about to mention, but who's to say Bogdanovich doesn't have a Reggie Bullock <laughs> type transformation into like a pumpkin? And all of a sudden we have to go through this stretch where he has to adjust himself, has to acclimate himself. Um, I mean, Danny Green, like the best three-point shooter on this team, has had one of the most inconsistent seasons ever. And some people who have been watching Danny Green might say, well, that's Danny Green his entire career. But you'd, you'd probably think, oh, next to Anthony Davis and LeBron James, no brainer. But that hasn't been the case. So I think my overall point is you just introduce all of these new variables and you're just opening the door to more you know, uncertainty with how it will go. Whereas I think you'd agree that the best course of action right now, for me at least, would be not necessarily Darren Collison and Bogdanovich. It's just getting Darren Collison for free, taking him on, and doing this addition, addition, no subtraction sort of deal, right? Where you're not taking any anyone out who's been necessarily integral. At most, maybe you're getting rid of a Troy Daniels and bringing in Darren Collison. Um, and you're just eliminating the fact that you might have to bring in more moving parts that you'll have to adjust to. And again, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, maybe that's not big as big of a deal. But uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think the only thing I'll add, I think you summarized the issue like pretty well. I, the only thing I'll, I'll add is like, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's you can't underestimate the effect of chemistry on a team that started 29 and seven or whatever we are. You know what I mean? Like it, this team on, paper was not supposed to be this good like we thought this team was good enough to ultimately contend for a championship we also thought this team was more properly built for playoff basketball than regular season basketball i think when the season started we were like yeah you know well i mean we'll get top four you know shrug (laughs) and and like i don't think anybody expected that we would be running out the competition like this right i mean we're we have a four game lead in a very tight west we have a five less losses on the Clippers who everybody thought would run away with the conference. Um, So there's something else happening with this team. That's not just the literal, you know, numbers on the paper or like the literal names on the line or roster, you know, it's something else is happening that is contributing to all of our success. And I do think Kuzma is a part of that. And so that like, I mean, I agree with you that, if there's any chance that this could potentially be a lateral move, you just can't do it um, mm. because we're not in the position to be making lateral moves. We are only need, we only should be moving Kuzma if it's going to be an extreme positive move, because look, despite his inconsistencies and him getting kind of, I don't know if exposed is the right word. Cause again, he's been hurt. He's had inconsistent minutes, but Despite his struggles this year, I don't know that it's you. We have this guy in the cheap cost controlled contract for like at least a couple more years. Um, Beyond that, you make a decision when the time comes. But, you know, it's a short list of guys who are making one point seven million or one point nine million, whatever Kuzma is making, who can give you the same impact. Even this current like crappy impact (laughs) or like, you know, less than (laughs) we expected impact like. You can't normally get this kind of impact from some somebody making 1.9 million, let alone a guy, a 24 year old with some upside, um, who has shown that, you know, I mentioned the random explosions of points. He's shown that he can randomly 
drop 35 points on a big game on national TV, you know? So, um, I, I don't think we can make a lateral move. I, you know, the Reggie Bullock is an extreme example, but I mean, your point is well taken that Bogdan's done what he's done for one team. He's also only been in the league for like three years and there's no guarantee that you put him next to two suit. I mean, he's been on a bottom feeder team. You put him next to two superstars. I'm not going to go and guarantee that he's going to, you know, come on, come here and all of a sudden be dropping 18 a game consistently and everything goes smoothly right away, you know? So you're hedging against all these kinds of risks too. And that's why you really cannot do a move like this unless you know for sure you're getting better. I mean, frankly, the Kings can say what they want, but Kuzma on paper again is like doing the exact same, but like giving in terms of what they need from a scoring um, uh, standpoint, he would give them the exact same things that they're currently getting. Um, Luke has seen firsthand what Kuzma looks like when he's working off the pick and roll with a point guard who knows how to get him the ball. Um, I think all of us underestimated the loss of Lonzo Ball with respect to Kuzma's game specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, Lonzo brought a lot of there several different things, but it, it was easy to forget how much he gave Kuzma specifically, I, more so than any of the other guys on the team. And Kuz always played his best ball, especially his rookie year when he was out there with Lonzo. So it's, you know, on, there's there's risks on both sides and, and it just becomes a cost-benefit analysis. And, and I, I think, you know, chemistry is a big hidden factor that a lot of people don't consider. And so that's why you don't make a move like this unless it's a very clear upgrade. Yeah, and even if they do, I know there are people out there who think it's a very clear upgrade, and I think that's a fair point. I just want to bring up, you know, the other factors that we should be taking into account. And the other thing I wanted to add lastly is that if we do this trade for Bogdanovich, because we're losing size, then that puts the more of the emphasis back on having to find a wing, right? So then exactly. even if we get Darren You're Collison... You're shifting your problem. Right, and so that means not only do we need Darren Collison, but we better hope that something happens in the Iguodala situation with Memphis or that we can get Jay Crowder or at the very least we sign Jeff Green. And maybe that's a solution. Maybe you get Bogdanovich, you trade Kuzma for Bogdanovich, sign Collison, and then bring in Jeff Green. But again, those are so many new variables to take into account. And I get it. LeBron James has been on teams where the half his team has flipped on a dime, et cetera, et cetera. But those teams also weren't doing well when those things happened, if that makes sense. You know, there were clear glaring holes. And on this team, it's like LeBron James, Anthony Davis are the crux of everything. And it's been shown that a lot of the reason why we're at why we're at this place this season is just because of and again, I'm, I don't want to armchair psychologist this too much. But again, the chemistry, how everybody's bought in really early on. And you just never know what's going to happen if you tinker too much. Um, so lastly, Tommy, let's talk about bringing in Darren Collison, because we talked about him like two months ago when we were doing our point guard podcast and you talked about you putting on a white dress shirt and tie and knocking on Darren Collison's shirt yourself to uh, employ his help. And this has coincided with the fact that Rajon Rondo has just fallen off the face oh of the earth. Oh my God, he's bad. And this sucks for me because, you know, during Christmas, we kind of ate crow, or you ate crow with regards to the fact that Rajon Rondo is maybe still an NBA player and still has value, but in the last few weeks or so, probably the last two weeks especially, he has proven that he no longer is. And I'll eat crow on that now too. It's proven um, that he's sucks. still bad. He's still bad. And, you know, beginning of the season, 
he really helped us out because he was getting guys, the most important guys on our team engaged, Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. And he was getting them really easy buckets and sometimes highlight buckets. And in one podcast, I emphasized that that's important. You know, you may not think that's important, but he's getting these guys like alley-oops and pumping the crowd up, pumping them up, especially Anthony Davis. He's the only guy who can get Anthony Davis these really fun lobs. But recently, he's just been all over the place. His three-point shot has totally left him, and now he's not even taking that shot. And he just looks super washed up. And where in the beginning of this season, he was giving us, out of every five games, he was giving us at least two or three games where he was okay to good. Now it's like out of every five games, he's only giving us one game where he's even mildly stomachable. Um, in the last five games, that game would be against Portland, where he had 15 points, had an 8-0 run um, for himself at the end of the third, where he was either assisted or scored eight of those points. Outside of that, it's been a complete zero, and he's also just been super deflating to everyone he's played with on the court, just ask Kyle Kuzma. So with that said, and everything that's been going wrong with um, Rajon Rondo, how will a guy like Darren Collison help this team? Oh my god. So Darren Collison, if anyone remembers from the summer, was like my number one, I mean, runaway number one point guard uh, option if the Kawhi thing fell apart. And frankly, even if the Kawhi thing happened and we had, uh, you know, our our mid-level exception, which was like four million or whatever that we gave to Bradley, I was, you know, shot in the dark, maybe to see if that one sticks. <laughs> but I, I wanted Collison from day one. His analytics are amazing. He's a good defender. He's a really good pick and roll player. He can shoot threes. Um, he's a veteran. Uh, he's a good guy from what I understand. Um, he's, you know, always been a good teammate by all accounts. He he just had everything that this type of team you would think would need. Um, he's also never won a championship, so he's hungry, you know, um, mm-hmm. And he checked every box for me and I was fully prepared to make like, you know, if I was the front office to make him like the full what I mean, frankly, whatever, you know, seven, eight million, whatever his market was for three years, like I felt like that was worth it. Um, and then before we even got to that stage, he just retired. So, I mean, I guess <laughs> I was relieved in the sense that none of our competitors could get him. But like it, that was a guy that I had very, very, very high on the list. And now he might just be like falling into our laps um he like you said he does a lot of things everything i just said he does rondo doesn't do many of those things um (laughs) rondo has completely fallen off the face of the earth not just offensively but frankly as a defensive player too it's very clear that like when he's not doing his things to get himself activated and get his his energy i think you refer to it as like other guys will go uh, on a previous episode, like other guys will go on hot streaks with shooting, but Rondo will get like on fire with his passes sometimes. Like yeah. he'll, he'll just go through these stretch or used to go through these stre- or sometimes goes through these stretches of just ripping off like three, four, like amazing passes in a row. And you could just yeah. feel him like building, like he gets hotter and hotter with each one he throws. And, and then he'll try on just, defense. And then he tries on defense, but Lately, it's not like guys are missing open shots or, yeah, okay, sure, that's part of it, but that's part of every game. But it's, he's just like so many times in these situations where you're just like, it it feels like hours that he's on the court and he's only been playing (laughs) like 15 minutes a game, you know what I mean? And it's just so insane how negative he can be when it's bad. Like he's not hitting or taking open threes. 
He's not, he's like, looks completely lost and confused offensively, which is like what he's supposed to be like this basketball savant who just like figure stuff out. You know what I mean? He's not doing anything offensively, defensively, completely, completely lost and lazy. Okay. You know, it's like, we're going to get laziness from certain of our veterans and like LeBron, because he has to carry the load so much on both sides is sometimes going to take possessions off defensively. LeBron is like the best defender of all time compared to Rajon Rondo. You know what I mean? Rajon Rondo <laughs> is not contributing anything offensively, but also doesn't hustle defensively and is constantly out of position and is constantly not making the extra rotation. He plays everything like it's pickup at the YMCA. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like he's taking it that seriously. And even the games that you would think he, oh, this is the game Rondo gets up for. No, I mean, I frankly, that Clippers game Christmas Day, he had like four turnovers or something. He looked yeah. like completely, you know, befuddled, including multiple horrible turnovers down the stretch, multiple just like completely non-existent entity on offense down the stretch that led to the clip us just handing that game away to the Clippers at the end. Um, he he's just been so, so, so bad. And I feel like Darren Collison is also a, a guy who has enough clout that we can bring in and just like plug in right away as our like main backup point guard, like find start Avery Bradley or whatever you need to do. But Darren Collison, you can just plug in as like that, you know, go to backup point guard ahead of Rondo and no one's going to really bat an eye, frankly, including Rondo himself, I'd imagine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, Darren Collison historically has never been the Rajon Rondo type of playmaker, but he can play make. And that's really all we need, right? Like, if yes. this is the Rondo we're going to get, playing 25 minutes and getting you four or five assists, like, Darren Collison can do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And not just, not only can he do that, but it's not all about the stats, right? Like, Rondo sometimes gets these assists because we have a 24-second possession and he has held the ball for 18 out of the 24 seconds. Right. And so he fires it to somebody in the corner at the last second and they make a three. So he got the assist. Well, also... Can I just add that when it comes to Rondo's playmaking, he's sometimes always... And, and for guys like Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and LeBron James, this works out. He's always seeking out the highlight play. And for those guys, it, it works. But if you're like a Kyle Kuzma or a role player, Rondo will often forego just the simple pass or the, the right play to try and seek out, is there a lob here? Is there a cool bounce pass that I can make? And if yeah. you're not LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Dwight Howard, then tough luck. You're not going to be part of <laughs> whatever's going on here. You know, Darren Collison's going to make the simple play that will sort of help everybody out. He's going to make the simple, smart play. I, I completely agree. It's like Rondo, does something happen to this guy mentally at some point in his career where it's like he doesn't get excited just by playing basketball the right way anymore or like just playing well and doing the simple things, like which is how I think he built his career. I mean, this is like, like a mid to late first round pick out of Louisville. He wasn't super heralded coming out of college. I mean, he... I, I, he was not like a low, he was obviously still a first round pick, but I mean, nobody thought he would become what he ended up becoming at his peak. Right. But at some point something clicked or changed for this guy where he was like, Oh, playing basketball is boring for me now. Maybe it's too easy for him. And so he, I think what you say is exactly right. How many times have we seen like curl, these curl plays run for Kuzma where he has like an open lane to the rim and, Rondo, who can allegedly make every pass in the game, can't can't throw him a simple pass to go get a layup. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's where I think Lonzo really thrived with Kuzma was because yes. Lonzo is the 
is the king of making the simple pass. Like maybe he can't make the crazy Rajon Rondo like passes that Rondo has made in his prime. But if you need a simple pass, he will make it a hundred percent accurately, you know, and, yeah. and he has the vision and knows how to do it. And, and Rondo theoretically should have these things, but it's just not the same. And so yeah. I, I, I think that, Collison would be such a huge upgrade on so many levels. Like, forget Bogdan, forget all this other stuff. Collison is really the thing that we need, you know? And whatever, you know, if we can pick up some other assets or something else in a trade or something else uh, to get rid of one of our deep bench guys like Troy Daniels or a Quinn Cook or something like that to clear the roster spot, I think you got to do it every day, day and night, you make this move. and and I really, really hope that we can make a strong pitch to Carlson and show him, you know, where he would fit. And if frankly, who knows? I basketball is a weird sport. I don't think that loyalty is real. I mean, I brought up the example, I can't remember if it was in our thread or on this podcast, but of us trading Derek Fisher in twenty twelve or twenty eleven or whenever we were making that, you know, run and we we got Raymond Sessions and he filled a huge void. So to avoid any issue with a potential overlap or, or sorry, overlap or, or, uh, or issue there, we just traded Derek Fisher who mm-hmm. career, you know, Laker for the most part, obviously. <laughs> um, and, uh, had been had won five championships with us, all this stuff, right. We just flat out got rid of him at the deadline. I don't know that there is a market for Rajon Rondo out there, but, Maybe one way that we end up doing this is showing Collison either Rondo tells him himself because apparently he's very open with this kind of stuff, or we show him by making a trade of a Daniels or a Cook or a Rondo to to be like, hey, we got rid of one of our guards. I know we had a million guards. We got rid of one of them. Here we're telling you you are going to be like our guy. Like I don't. It doesn't really matter who starts. Like you're probably going to end up playing most of the minutes at the one. Um, whatever they need to do to to get Collison, they need to be actively exploring those, uh, those options. Sure. And uh, that's a fair point. The Derek Fisher thing, I would contend though, that the situation slightly different because that Lakers team had glaring, glaring holes and they weren't doing as well as this Lakers team. Um, and so it's a little bit harder to oust a guy like Rondo with the cachet that he has with, not only LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but Vogel. And I feel like Rondo's almost been like a third team captain, if not one of the team captains at this point. Um, And I know Derek Fisher was that for us as well. I just personally think that Rondo is probably here to stay. And uh, I think the final question on Rondo this entire season has been, is the juice worth the squeeze with Rondo? And it hasn't been. More times than not, it hasn't been. And that's clearly coming to light. And maybe this is too optimistic of me, but I think bringing in Darren Collison with the cachet that he has, which he has a lot more than um, Alex Caruso, that may actually put um, the fear of God back in Rondo. I know that's giving him way too much credit, but you saw at the beginning of the season, right, when Rondo was putting up crazy stats in like 10 to 15 minutes. Ever since um, we've had injuries happen to other guys and Rondo's kind of had full reign to be the backup point guard, I feel like maybe some complacency has sort of seeped into him. And if Darren Collison becomes the clear de facto backup point guard, whatever minutes Rondo gets from here on out, it may just be be like five to eight minutes. Maybe that'll actually force him to just play out those five minutes with the most intensity he's ever had and just play smarter. Maybe, again, that's giving him too much credit, but it's not like we have totally not seen Rondo be effective in short amounts of time. It's just recently it's been so, so bad that it's kind of 
warped our entire perspective of the season when, you know, Rondo in spots has been somewhat effective, especially mostly in transition. But uh, but yes, overall, I agree with you. Darren Collison, come on home. He played at UCLA as well, and he would be a fine, fine addition and also would kind of put at ease any sort of desperation that fans have or maybe desperation that the front office might be holding on to to, you know, want to have to ship Kuzma willy-nilly all of a sudden when I don't think we're in any rush to do anything that drastic. And the fact that we can just get Darren Collison for free is honestly amazing and and a miracle. So um, we'll leave it right there. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Once again, please also rate interview us on iTunes. Um, We're trying to get to 420 because that's the latest number of all. And yeah, Tommy, I will catch you later. Later. You're going to knock on Darren Collison's house tonight, right? Hell yeah. Sweet. All right. We'll catch you guys later. Peace. (laughs) 